Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is MC Money. I'm joined tonight by Houts MD and Sutton, the creepy soccer dad. He is home with his kids. Well, he's home every week when he does his podcast. At least we think he's home. But uh, his wife is away, and his he has four kids or 25 kids, four, 25, same thing. So he has to take Something care of all the kids already. by him. Yeah, I, I hope he's listening to us. It'd be kind of messed up if he wasn't listening to us, concerning the fact that we are live this week. We mentioned last week that we were going to be coming back one to two times per month for a live show just to kind of mix it up because we had about 60% people who preferred the live show, about 40 to 45% who preferred the taped show. So in order to go to both sides here and pull a Stephen Ross and compromise, we're going to do a little bit of both. We'll do about two episodes, two to three episodes taped per month, one to two live shows per month, depending on the pulse of Twitter the pulse of the finsider.com and the pulse of my own heart. Um, that didn't make much sense there, but we're going to go with it uh, again. You hopefully, do whatever you want. <laughs> I can do whatever I want because I am MC money. I'm the host of the show. You know, exactly. um, I, I was saying that I hope Sutton's listening because it'd be kind of messed up if he wasn't listening, um, considering the fact that we carry him every show and the least he could do is, triple our listener count by being the third listener this week on Finsider Radio. So if you're listening tonight, we welcome you back to uh, a live show. And if you're listening to us delay later in the week or on iTunes, you know, we, we know that the quality sometimes on a live show isn't the best because of the server that we're on. But uh, just bear with it and we'll be back to tapes next week and then we'll come back live at another time moving forward. How's the Miami Dolphins? They're brutal. Sad. Fourth in the AFC, <laughs> fourth, fourth in the AFC East. They are a four and seven. 
a brutal schedule remaining. They got the Broncos, the Patriots, the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bills. I know the Chiefs are falling apart, but they're they're going to Kansas City. The Bills are nothing to laugh about. I don't think there's any way they beat the Patriots on Monday night, except knowing this team, they probably will. And the Broncos are, you know, I think it's going to be a uh, slugfest here in Denver or in Miami with Denver coming down just because there's two bad teams playing each other. But we'll get to that maybe later in the show. But how it's the Dolphins aren't a good football team right now. And they're four and seven. And it's at this point in the season with five weeks left, five games left, we say, is it worth it for the Dolphins to just lose out? Right now they have the eighth pick in the NFL draft. Uh, There's really no way they're going to get the first pick. And that's going to be Cleveland status or San Francisco status or New York Giants status, probably Cleveland again. But they have a realistic shot at being top five if they lose out. I, I posed this question the other day on Twitter, and I said to, to everybody, I said, give me one good reason why the Dolphins should win another game this season. And I didn't get one good reason in my mentions. How are you of the club that says Dolphins should win? Who cares about the draft pick? Because it's not about where you draft. It's about how you draft. Uh that's a good question, man. For me, I mean, every year it seems like we're asking ourselves the same thing. I mean, we, we start out hot or we have a good year the, the year prior, and then the next year we're in the same situation. And I think what fans get confused about is you're not actually rooting for the team to lose. I know a lot of people, they sit there and say how they're diehard fans and they would never root against this team. I personally, I'm not watching this game just praying Jay Culler throws interceptions or or someone gets hurt, or or Denver scores a touchdown. No, I'm just sitting here with very, very, very low expectations, which I think we all should have at this point. I don't think there's any reason why we should think that we're going to be able to beat Trevor Simeon and the Denver Broncos because they haven't shown us this year that they can do that. But for me, are you asking if we have a top five pick, if that's better than, you know, falling down to that 10 to 15 range like we do time and time again? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and root against the Dolphins. But if we have a chance to get a top five pick in a draft that many scouts and experts are saying isn't quite that loaded with talent outside of those top guys, you got like Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Chubb, you got Saquon Barkley, the two quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield. I mean, there are some names out there. I know we don't need a quarterback, but that's something the Dolphins have to look at. And if, if you want to continue to build on like Adam Gase and the Dolphins, although they overachieved last year, that team looks a lot different than the team we have this year, both mentally, physically, just overall so for me I'm not going to root against the Dolphins but if they don't win another game this year I am not going to be upset so what's an interesting thing when you when you sit there and watch the games right even on Sunday versus the Patriots we know the Dolphins have been out to make the playoffs as we're sitting there on Sunday and we know the chances of that happening are basically slim to none not because well I mean they're a bad team but not because of that but just because of the way the schedule has shaken out I mean, if they were going and playing, let's say, the Browns, and then they were playing maybe the Colts or the Titans at the end of the season. Let's just talk about teams they played. Maybe the Buccaneers the last few weeks. But just the fact they have to play the Patriots again, they have to play the Bills twice, the Chiefs, and the Broncos, they'll probably win that game. Um, Just looking at the schedule, it seems very hard to do for anybody to win out against that schedule, even if you're talking about any other team in the NFL, never mind the Miami Dolphins. But, you know, it's a weird feeling because you're sitting there, you feel kind of numb, right? I mean, you're just sitting there and you're like numb to what's going on. Because on one hand, you're, you're cheering, you're happy, the 
Dolphins are winning. You're happy the Dolphins have a chance. But then as the game gets towards the end of the third quarter into the fourth, and then you're thinking, listen, the Dolphins have already beat me into a pulp today. I, I know they're going to lose, or they have a good shot of losing. What's the point of them coming back at this point? Take a loss, move up in the draft order. So it, it's a bad feeling. It, it's a really bad feeling. And I want to just point out to the Jets. Let's use the Jets, Jets as an example. Going into week 14 last year, the, the New York Jets had three wins. Okay. They then beat the 49ers in week 14. They lost to the Dolphins and the Patriots the next two weeks. And they beat the Jets the last week of the season. The Jets going into week 14 had a top three pick, I believe. If not top three, then top five. The New York Jets pulled themselves out of that draft spot because of those two meaningless wins at the end of the season. And, you know, that's where I get that thing where it's like, why bother? Because the Jets, while they did pick sixth, they could have picked third or fourth. And, you know, if they had done that, they could have gotten a quarterback in those few picks. Instead, they didn't. And then they picked Jalen Adams. And Jalen Adams is a good player. He's, he's going to be a great safety. But for me, you know, I just, I just think it's useless for a team to win games and lose out on their future. Because the Jets, guess what? McCown is doing a decent job, but they're not making the playoffs. So for me, it's like there's no point. Do you agree or no? Yeah, I agree, I agree completely. I mean, you touched on it with the Jets. You can use those examples with several teams each year. And, and like I said before, this team has been – this Dolphins team, They for several years they have been that mediocre right there in that borderline. And I remember there was a couple years ago, I think there was a meaningless game at Minnesota. And this wasn't necessarily for a draft pick, but part of me wanted to see the Dolphins lose because I thought Joe Philbin would get shit-canned. And they ended up – I don't remember if they blocked a punt. It was a field. They did some crazy thing to score a touchdown at the end of the game. And part of me was happy, but the other part of me was like, damn, now we're stuck with Joe Philbin for another season. So, I mean, every year these situations come about, and it's just unfortunate because you'd like to see the Dolphins take care of business, uh, build on that season they had last year, and just have improved. And and maybe they have uh, in certain areas of the game, but overall this team is a lot worse than many of us expected. And, I mean, once Tannehill went down, I I mean, a lot of us, we should have tempered our expectations maybe – foresaw something like this happening but as a fan you just want to get out there and you just want to root for your team and and think that they have all the chances in the world and as we get down here to the end I I don't think it makes you any less of a fan if like you said at the late in the game third fourth quarter the game's starting to get out of reach if you're numb to it you don't have to sit there and root against Jay Cutler or Kenyon Drake or hope Devontae Parker or Jarvis Landry drop a pass I mean you don't have to do that but uh you shouldn't be mad if the Dolphins end up losing because it, it, overall you have to see the bigger picture. And I do think getting that better pick is, is better for the future of the Dolphins. Right. So, you know, even looking at the Jets again, you know, they probably would have the third pick. The third pick was where the Chicago Bears were, and they moved up with the 49ers one spot to draft Mitchell Trubisky. So we don't know if the Jets were in love with Trubisky, but let's say they were. They lost out on Trubisky their potential quarterback of the future because they won two meaningless games. Even when that whole thing with Andrew Luck was going on, right? The Redskins won a meaningless game late in the season. And uh, 
they ended up with Robert Griffin. Yes, they have Kirk Cousins now because they were smart enough to draft best player available when they drafted Kirk Cousins. But who knows what would have happened between then and now if they had gotten Andrew Luck. So it's just, I don't know. And I hate the excuse that people say, oh, Mike Cannonball doesn't know how to draft anyways. Well, he's, he's had some good picks, guys. I, I mean, I, and girls, I hate to say it. He's had some good picks. And I, I hate that excuse because why wouldn't you want a high draft pick? The draft is a crapshoot anyways. Every single coach and general manager will tell you that. Bill Belichick has said it many times that the draft is so unpredictable. So the more picks you have, the better chance you have of drafting a better player. The higher you pick, it's the same way. The higher you pick, the better chance you have of drafting a good player. It's not automatic. We know that from experience with Deion Jordan, with Yatel Green, with Jake Long, even though that was uh, riddled with injuries, with Ronnie Brown, good player, but not a game changer. So, so the higher you pick, the better chance you have. The higher you pick, the better chance you have to trade down and accumulate more picks as we go on. So we'll talk about the draft at the end of the season and towards the end of the season. We're not going to get too much into it now, but I just wanted to have that debate with you, House, with that, because I know there's some people on Twitter and the message boards who, who are diehard fans, and we're all diehard fans, but really they don't care about where the team drafts. For me, that's a little short-sighted. For me, losing is in the best interest of the team because momentum does not carry over from year to year. I think we've all learned that, and especially after making the playoffs last year to this year. When you see good teams make the playoffs from year to year, it's not the momentum because they have a sound structure and a sound team in place. Any final thoughts, Houts, from you on this? Nope, you nailed it. And, again, I mean, you got that Twitter crowd that continues to say you're not a fan, you're not as big of a fan if, if you sit there and you think the same way that we do as, as far as this team being better off if they lose out. And you just got to see the bigger picture because after these next few games, everyone's going to be talking about and then everyone's going to wish that the Dolphins didn't win those meaningless games at the end of the year. Yeah. So it, it's hard to go, it's hard to judge. And in the end, the, the better picks is what's going to build this team to become that powerhouse in the future that we all hope they become. So these games are meaningless for us as fans and possibly the general manager in the front office, but they're not meaningless for guys like Kenyon Drake. And Kenyon Drake has a huge opportunity in front of him to cement himself as a Dolphins primary running back. Damian Williams was playing very well, um, hitting those holes, catching balls out of the backfield, picking up the blocks. He dislocated his shoulder against the Patriots. He's going to miss the next two to three weeks. Dolphins may end up shutting him down for the season. Kenyon Drake enters. Ball security issues. He's fumbled a bit in the past few games since the Dolphins traded J.H.I. But he has a chance. He has a great chance to show the Miami Dolphins that they don't need to go out and draft a Saquon Barkley. They don't need to go out and draft maybe Chubbs. Uh, I think he's from Georgia, right? Yeah. They don't need to go out and draft or sign a premier running back to, to fill a spot on this team. Kenyon Drake can show the Miami Dolphins that he is the guy. So for you, Houts, do you think Kenyon Drake can take that spot? Before you do that, though, I just want to make one correction. I said Jalen Adams, who the Jets drafted. It was Jamal Adams, not Jalen. Sorry about that. But Houts um, – for you, can can Kenyon Drake cement himself in that number one role? For me, from a talent standpoint, I think he has all the the traits that you you look for in a running back. I mean, he's definitely a threat in the passing game, speedster, uh, can hit that home run, and I mean, just overall, I mean, 
I was a huge JGI fan. I've been on Twitter for it for a long time now, but I, I do think the offense has gotten better. Uh, it's kind of easy to get better when you're the worst offense in the NFL, but that's besides the point. And I do think Kenyon Drake, uh, he was a guy coming out that I wasn't too fond of. I'm not some draft expert. I do watch some film, and he was just a guy that I like, like the Den- Derrick Henrys and the uh, Kenneth Dixons in the draft. Those were the guys that I was pretty high on. And, I mean, you see a guy like Kenyon Drake, and I, I didn't love the pick, but the more I watch him play, the more I see a football player, a guy that learned under Nick Saban. And I think overall he, he's got that Matt Forte vibe to him. He seems like he's a good good asset to have in this offense. I mean, I know you touched on it with uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, there's some running backs that I think you just don't pass on no matter what the situation. I know that this team could use a quarterback. That might be something that we talk about, obviously, in a uh, future future podcast, but for me, if a guy like Saquon Barkley's there, I, I don't know that there's anything Kenneth uh, Kenny Drake can do from here on out that would prevent me from drafting him unless one of those players like the Fitzpatrick and the, the Chubbs are there. So for me, I think he has every opportunity to seize the moment. I know that Carpe Diem, it's it's something that people always strive about. I mean, it, this is his opportunity to, to prove that he is worthy of being a featured back in the NFL and I mean, it's unfortunate for Damian Williams because he looked great. Uh, he's a guy that Miami wasn't quite sure they were going to bring back this offseason. They ended up doing so. He seemed to fill that role as soon as the guy left. So, I mean, it's unfortunate to have Williams, but we're going to be able to see what Kenyon Drake can do and, and whether or not he is the running back of the future. You touched on a lot of great points, House, and you're right. If Saquon Barkley is staring at Adam Gates and Chris Greer in the face, when it comes to the draft, it's going to be very hard for them to pass up on a premier talent like that, you see what a guy like Ezekiel Elliott does for the Cowboys, right? He changes their entire offense. He transforms the offense. The offense looks like crap without him. So when you talk about a guy like that, you can transform your offense. Even look at Alvin Kamara or Kamara, however you say his last name in New Orleans. He has transformed that offense. They got him in the second round, not a first round talent, but, but he is a dynamic player. For me, and we're going to talk about this more, and I'm going to really bang on this over the next several months, for me, you take best player available no matter what position. I did a uh, – and I know we're kind of moving away from Kenyon Drake here, but I just want to make this point. On Twitter the other day, I rehashed what could have been if the Dolphins went BPA based off my own consensus big board, which was me taking several draft guides, all their grades, and averaging them out per player. And – Ironically enough, had the Dolphins went BPA this past draft, Ruben Foster would have been the guy for them to take. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt with the health health injuries, but the next guy up was Dalvin Cook. And when I posted that, people got mad at me because they said, well, why would the Dolphins select Dalvin Cook if they had JHI, Kenyon Drake, and Damian Williams? Well, guess what, guys? JHI is gone. Damian Williams is injured. And all you got is Kenyon Drake behind him, center Reese Perry with a concussion. So... You go BPA because you never know when injuries are going to happen. You never know when a guy like JHI is going to freak out in the locker room. You never know when Damian Williams is going to get hurt. You go BPA all the time. I don't care. I used to be a horizontal board guy where that is, you know, you list each position and then you rank them and then you figure out what you need. But for me, I, I kind of turned that corner this year and I'm a straight BPA guy. We'll talk about that in depth as we move forward. Back to Drake. He is an explosive guy. He can hit that hole and hit the home run. He, he sheds tacklers, too. You know, you don't be fooled by his small frame. I mean, he doesn't have a totally small frame, but don't be fooled by, you know, he doesn't have a huge frame like Ajayi does. The problem with Drake is ball security, yes. His lack of experience, yes. 
And he doesn't always do what the coaches are asking him to do. He's still kind of trying to always hit that home run, which is what JHI's problem was. But Drake will have a huge opportunity to cement himself as that lead running back. Remember, I tweeted last night that I know that Lamar Miller has been nothing special in Houston, and he was really nothing special in Miami. He was a good player, not a great transcendent player. But Adam Gase wanted to keep him. Mike Tannenbaum said, no, we're not paying him that much. Adam Gates then tried to sign C.J. Anderson, but the Broncos matched it at the last minute. The Dolphins had Ezekiel Elliott at the very top of their draft board, according to people I've talked to. And that just goes to show you, and then the J.H.I. trade and putting Damian Williams in that number one spot, it just goes to show you what kind of player Adam Gates wants at that position. So keep that in mind as we move forward, as we move to free agency, as we move to the draft. And just remember that Adam Gates doesn't want a power running back guy. He wants a guy who can do everything out of the backfield. Another guy he might be upset with who can't really do everything is Devontae Parker. And what a disappointment Devontae Parker has been. And how it's, we, we've all thought that he was going to be this great wide receiver, this dominant alpha wide receiver. When he came out of college, we knew there was that injury concern with his foot. He missed several games his senior year at Louisville. But he has not been the player anyone thought he would be in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been disappointing. I mean, we heard all the off-season hype about how Devontae Parker was just becoming a monster in training camp, how he was one of these guys that everyone was considering the breakout player, and uh, he just hasn't lived up to it. I mean, you don't know how much losing a guy like Tannehill must, might have affected that, but overall, I mean, Jay Culler came out guns blazing. Devontae Parker was his guy. Uh, I believe it was him or Gates that referred to him as a faster Alshon Jeffrey and anyone who has watched an Eagles game this year. Uh, they could only hope that someday Devontae Parker was Alshon Jeffrey because Alshon Jeffrey, that's that alpha male, that's that number one wide receiver that, that you wanted Devontae Parker to be when you drafted him. And it, it's just unfortunate because this guy, he has all the talent in the world. You mentioned the injury concerns and, and just how it's kind of affected him throughout his whole career. But but overall, I mean, he, he's He's one of those guys that you needed to break out this year if the Dolphins had any chance of, of making the playoffs. And he just he just showed those flashes. He, he had potential early on. And then that injury uh, when he tried to – I think he went east to west instead of turning the ball upfield on like a freaking two- or three-yard gain. Or it was almost sort of a first down. There, there was something ridiculous that he did. And, and after that, it just kind of seemed like, I don't know, maybe confidence was lost or, or just overall his play just seemed to plummet. And, for me, Devontae Parker, you hoped that he was going to open up for everyone else, Jarvis Landry, Kenny Stills, the rest of the wide receiver group, and it just hasn't been that way. So he's been a huge disappointment. It kind of sucks when you look back at that draft because I think Miami, all the reports were that they were pretty high on Todd Gurley. I know I think he went two picks before Miami drafted uh, Devontae Parker. And, I mean, you look what Todd Gurley's doing. No one could have predicted either of these guys' outlooks so far in their NFL career. But if you're telling me that Mike Tannenbaum and uh, – Adam Gase aren't sitting there thinking, okay, well, we could have traded up for Devontae Parker right now. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they would have done that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they all thought, too, that he was going to be this diamondite player. He, they were talking about training camp. He looks like a different guy. He's healthy. He's, he has an edge. And now the last few weeks it's been, oh, he's lost his edge. We're not happy with him because he's not playing through injuries as, as much as he could. And I tweeted out that game, that Thursday night game against the Ravens, I believe it was. He was inactive. He was on the field running and warming up supposedly very well, but they made him inactive. And I tweeted right then and there that uh, the Dolphins coaches were not happy with him because of his inability to play through injuries. And 
oh, my God, I got crap for that. And actually, Devontae Parker himself saw my tweet and came into my mentions and said, don't speak something or keep my name out of your mouth if you don't know what's going on. Ironically enough, a week later, Clyde Christensen and Adam Gase both say that he's lost his edge, that, that they wish he could you know, do more. They wish he'd be more of an alpha receiver. And so basically what I said was confirmed by the coaches and it just kind of gave some confirmation. Although the player himself was coming into my mentions, trying to tell me that 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 wasn't the case. So I I felt good about that in terms of who I talked to and where I get my information from and the fact that it is factual. Uh, So Devontae Parker, uh, it creates a huge dilemma for a guy like Jarvis Landry because the Dolphins have been holding off on an offer for Jarvis Landry for several reasons. One of them being that they thought Devontae Parker would emerge this season and he could be that number one guy. And then the Dolphins would get rid of Landry after this season, not get rid of him, but let him walk after this season, get that third round comp pick and then have Devontae Parker be that number one. Kenny Stills on the outside there and then either have Carew or draft another guy to be in the slot. That has not worked out this way. And I know we've been talking about Jarvis Landry the past few weeks. How it says, you know, we talked about our opinions last week and how it's changed with Jarvis Landry. And I'm still on that same boat. You got to let Parker go after next year, or you got to trade him in this upcoming draft. Honestly, you're probably getting a fourth, fifth round pick for Parker. I wouldn't go higher than a fourth on that one just because of his inability to stay healthy and his inability to flash. And I pay Jarvis Landry. I would actually franchise Jarvis this year and then work out a long-term deal and make sure that he is still uh, committed and passionate and not causing any issues. That franchise tag is a great security blanket. You're paying a lot of money, whereas you'd probably be paying $15 million for the franchise tag about per year for that one year, compared to maybe 6 to $8 million in that first year for Jarvis. But, but I think it might be a good insurance to do end up uh, franchising Jarvis and then go from there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think Jarvis Landry is a guy that you'd like to see remain with the Miami Dolphins at, at any means necessary. So if that means a franchise tag, I mean, do it. I We both touched on Devontae Parker. It's not a guy you can rely on currently. You got that key core in there as far as you got Landry, you got Stills, you got those guys that you want to build the rest of this foundation on. And I, I think the Dolphins, they can't let Jarvis Landry go. Uh, one quick thing. Doing a live show, lots of mistakes. I said that Adam Gase was in the room when the Dolphins selected Devontae Parker. That is absolutely not true. Uh, that was your part of him arriving in Miami, and I just wanted to say that I effed up, and my bad. Yeah, so we, we're not going to edit that out. We're just going to let you take your loss on that one. I said Jalen Adams. It's Jamal Adams. Yeah. You said Adam Gase. It was actually Joe Philbin, and, but it was Mike Tannenbaum, and that was Mike Tannenbaum's pick. Mike Tannenbaum was absolutely in love with him, and I remember – I was running Fit Maniacs at that point, and I hosted a draft party at Dave & Buster's, and I think about 50 people came, and we were all sitting there just hoping Devontae Parker would fall because that was the name that kept popping up for the Dolphins leading up to that draft. And then the Bears were on the clock, and everyone thought the Bears would take Devontae, and they took Kevin White. And at that point, it's like, all right, if no one trades up, Devontae's going to fall to the Dolphins. And, of course, he did. Everybody was excited. Now everyone's like, all right, time for him to move on. So I, I think that is going to be in his future. I don't think it's going to be with the Miami Dolphins. I think he's mentally um, immature. I think he's very young still. I mean, he tweets SpongeBob and posts selfies of him driving and just bobbing his head back and forth. 
for me, that's that's a guy that is not mature yet. That's a guy who's still living in college and a guy who's just young mentally. And it's not anything to be, you know, it's not anything bad. But when you're in the NFL, you need to grow up quickly. And he has not done so yet, in my opinion. Yeah, and and he'll be 25 in January. So he's still a young guy. And, I mean, it's, it's just hard because, you know, as soon as Miami trades him, and I don't know what his value would be on the open market. I mean, we saw what. J.H.I. fetched a fourth rounder, so you would hope that Devontae Parker would get somewhere in that third to second round pick, but in the NFL, teams just cherish that way too much, so if Miami's thinking about moving on from Parker, they might try to get whatever they can, but for me, it's going to be hard when you see Devontae Parker lining up for an NFC team or one of those other teams in the AFC, and he's just tearing shit up and becoming that number one wide receiver that we all hoped he would, because that's just what happens with Miami Dolphins. You sit there, you got this guy, he's underachieving. And they give up on him, rightfully so. They move on, and he just tears it up. And Devontae Parker, uh, huge – I mean, we're all fans of him. We all hope to see him hit that peak that we all expected him to do so. But if it's not with Miami, as soon as he gets traded away, he's going to flourish with another team. And it's just it's just going to be another <laughs> one of those, why the Dolphins get rid of him? The Dolphins no, suck. I don't yeah. think so. I, I mean, no? he might, but I, I'm not banking on it just because I, I don't think he's tough enough. I don't think I he's tough see- enough. I don't think – I don't think he's. Um, I don't think he wants it enough. And, and people can change, and people have changed. We've seen it with many NFL players who have kind of um, grown into their own. But you're not paying a guy a second contract who has not proven anything. So if the Dolphins do move on from him, uh, and he does flourish, we can look back and say there is no way the Dolphins could give him a second contract based on his production in his first four or five years as a member of the team. All right. Let's jump over to the Finsider Radio uh, mailbag. We have four questions on the live thread. We have numerous questions on Twitter. I'll take the first one from Alpha. And Alpha asks, do you guys believe Matt Moore is the quarterback for the rest of the season? And, you know, I hate how you people make fun of me. It was funny because I was announcing a powder puff football game the day before Thanksgiving. And there was a newspaper reporter there. And I, and I said on the PA system, I do the play-by-play there. Well, not the play-by-play, but I am the PA announcer there. And I said, uh, quarterback. And he go, looks at me, he goes, you say quarterback funny. And at that moment, I'm just thinking of Houts and Sutton and Alpha and, and everyone else who just makes fun of me. And I just wanted to go in the corner and cry, but I didn't. I had to keep on announcing, but I guess I do say it funny. Anyways, Matt Moore, what makes you know, you. I, I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think the Dolphins might be hiding behind this concussion protocol for Jay Cutler. I honestly do think so. We'll find out more on Wednesday during Adam Gase's press conference. But if we see Jay Cutler out again this week, perhaps next week, you know, I think I think the Dolphins may be hiding behind it and using that as an excuse to play Matt Moore. But again, Matt Moore, I mean, we're all we're all crying for Matt Moore, right? We want him back in the lineup, but he's 0-4 as a starter for the Dolphins the past two years. But here's the thing: when you got Jay Cutler on one hand, you got Matt Moore on the other hand. Who's the better option? In my opinion, it's Matt Moore. They're both not good quarterbacks. Uh, they're, they're both shaky. They're both spotty. They both have many flaws. But when you got to pick one or the other, it's like picking, do you want to die with, by rat poison or do you want to die um, by getting stabbed in the throat? Which one is going to be less painful? Rat mm-hmm. poison is probably going to be quicker, right? You eat it. You don't know you're eating it. You put it in like a big juicy steak. You put that down and then you're dead five seconds later, right? Yeah. Um, that, that, that's, that's it for me. Does he uh, – does he start the rest of the season? I don't know. Adam Gase is, likes to stick by his quarterbacks, but I think 
that if the Dolphins maybe have three games left and, and they lose their next two, I would not be opposed to seeing David Fale start the last three games just to see what they have because they don't know what they have in him. I mean, they see him in practice, but Gase admitted he's not a practice player. He's a game player. So it'd be nice if they did play him because I don't think Matt Moore is going to be around next season. And we know Jay Cutler's not either. So you better find out what you have in Fales if you think he has a chance of being the number two guy uh, in 2018. Next question, House. All right, Detona Dolphin asks, does the team stay with Burke or find another defensive coordinator in the offseason? Oh, man, that's a tough one, Detona. I, I do think that the way the Dolphins' defense, they started out pretty hot. They statistically improved in the run game. They, they were doing well against the pass, and then everything just kind of went to shit. So, I mean, for me, I, I don't necessarily think you can completely blame Burke or scheme or any of that. I think it's just poor execution overall. I mean, the injuries, we can all sit there and talk about Raekwon Phil and Lippitt a few other people, but uh, overall, I, I'm not sure that you give a guy who kind of got forced into that defense coordinator position. As soon as Vance Joseph left, I mean, he was the next man up and he was given that opportunity. And I think as loyal as Gates is to his coordinators, as to his coaches, and even some of his players, I mean, I, I see Burke sticking around unless someone from above, and, and I don't think Stephen Ross has the kahunas to do it. I don't think that Mike Tannenbaum should or will be around to make any type of decision like this to, to force Gates to to maybe improve that defense coordinator spot. So for me, I think Matt Burke's the guy going forward. And you just got to think that with another all season, another good draft, you get some of those players back. I think Burke's defense will look a lot better in 2018. Yeah. I don't think Burke gets fired. Um, as people are calling for his head. I think if Vance Joseph somehow gets fired, I think there's a possibility Gase brings him back, but I don't think Gase moves on from Gase seems like a very loyal guy. I'd be surprised if he did move on. Um, I think the Dolphins maybe end up moving to a 3-4. That's going to be a different conversation for a different show. But keep that in mind as we move forward because maybe there is some people out there that Gase would consider replacing Burke with. 39 is number one. asks a similar question about changes on the coaching staff. Clyde Christensen, his question is about, I don't think Clyde loses his job. Uh, Adam Gase is basically the offensive coordinator. Clyde basically organizes everything for Gase and is kind of Gase's assistant there. You're not going to get a big-name offensive coordinator in Miami because Adam Gates is not going to give up calling plays. Now, if Gates did decide to one day give up calling plays, then yes, there, there would be you know guys who would be lining up and, and good candidates. But if you're not calling plays, you're not knocking down the door in Miami to try to get the OC job. I don't think Clyde goes anywhere. Next one, uh, Houts. All right, Christopher Jensen, he asked, if you could pick one moment to summarize where the team went wrong, what would it be for him? He mentioned Arizona and that Calais Campbell hit on Tannehill. I mean, that's that's right there sums it up. I mean, Tannehill has not been the same since that. Uh, maybe shouldn't have been – he, he should have got the surgery and, and had everything fixed, but I know doctors have suggested he eat stem cells and do all that hippie stuff and things didn't work out. So, I mean, for me, I, I look at that and I think uh, – I know there's a lot of people that are up and down on Tannehill. For me, I think what he did with Gates for uh, most of last season, I think that kind of that kind of showed you what his potential really was. I mean, you kind of saw flashes of it, and then he just kind of took off. And for me, all I wanted to see was to see more of Tannehill and Gates' offense. And it's unfortunate that the hit messed, messed him up that bad that he couldn't even make it out there this season. So for me, it's absolutely that Calais Campbell hit. And, and just overall, you just hope this team can push through it and – do better things in 2018 because it's not looking too good right now. 
All right, let's jump over to the Twitter live thread and let's look at Rob Caruth. All right, Rob Caruth asks, how much has Tannenbaum's foolishness hurt what Gates has been trying to accomplish? Caruth, that is the million-dollar question, and we have no idea how much involvement Mike Tannenbaum has had the past few years since Gates has come on board. We know that Tannenbaum has had some influence with the contracts and the money, because I just mentioned at the top of the show that he did not want to pay Lamar Miller that kind of money. And we know Gase's first year of free agency, Tannenbaum was very strict with the budget. Um, I can tell you that for a fact. I can tell you also for a fact that Adam Gase was very upset at uh, Tannenbaum last year during a losing streak at the beginning of the season because Gase felt like that he didn't have enough talent on the offensive line. There was some bad blood there, and, and you saw Gase trying to make some power plays there with Tannenbaum. Flash forward to this year. We, we honestly don't know, and, and I, we all want to say that Mike Tannenbaum is on the hot seat, but to be honest with you, the people I've talked to uh, who, are, who have connections and have given me good information before, they're not optimistic that Tannenbaum will get fired. I think we can see Stephen Ross making a compromise route like he did when he wanted to get rid of, uh, not get rid of, but was deciding between Jeff Ireland and Joe Philbin. He wanted to give Jeff Ireland a new position in the organization and take away his personnel power. Uh, I can see him doing that to Tannenbaum and saying, you're not going to be involved in the personnel decisions anymore. It's going to be Chris Greer and Adam Gay. So we'll see. All right. Next question uh, from it's Blaine at Miami 1744. We answered your question about Parker. He has another question about is if the Dolphins let Jarvis Landry go. Do you go after a number one guy in Allen Robinson in free agency or look to draft him possession wide receiver to take the place of Landry house? What do you think? Damn, uh, that's a good question. I, I don't think there's any way that you let Jarvis Landry walk. I think he's one of those players that you uh, – I mean, if he's asking for Antonio Brown money, that's one thing. But if, if he's asking for somewhere in that mid to upper range as far as wide receivers are concerned, he's a guy that, I mean, I think he's leading the NFL. No no one has as many catches he does in, in his first few seasons. And he's just a guy that you just want more players like Jarvis Landry. You just hope to build a franchise around him. For me, he might not be a true number one wide receiver, but he's the best damn receiver we have, one of the best receivers we had in a long time. And I think you got to sign him. A guy like Allen Robinson, I know Alshon Jeffrey, he only signed a one-year damn Philly, so that's some somebody that could be intriguing to Adam Gase. Uh, there are rumors that Demarius Thomas could be on his way out in Denver. So there are options there. And I think overall you just got to weigh those pros and cons. I mean, Gase knows what he has in Jeffrey. He knows what he had in Thomas. He knows what he has in Landry, but for me, the fan base, they might ride if the Dolphins let Jarvis Landry walk unless it's for some absurd amount of money. So I, I think you sign him, and if not, you absolutely have to look for one of those, not those high guys, not those high-priced uh, free agents, but a guy like Allen Robinson coming off an, an injury. He might be someone that you get reasonably priced who we all have seen ball in the past. So uh, you absolutely got to fill that void if Jarvis Landry walks because other than him, all you guys, Kenny still. All right, we have a special caller on the line. Uh, hi, welcome to Finsider Radio. Who are you and what are you calling about? Hello, this is Jordan McGeever, and I have come <laughs> to call you all fools. I'm Jay, Jai. What's up, guys? Hey, Sutton, how you What's doing, it? buddy? Hey, Hell, Matthew, was that Crocodile Hunter? Matthew, all right, so. Matthew has, uh, has so helped welcome, and buddy. able to keep it under 10 cuss words tonight. Uh, he's about at five right now, so we're okay. We're, five. We're up, okay. We're All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Drinking right. a ten point five stout. Let me go. He is getting there. What's up, son? <laughs> how, how are the kids, son? How are the kids? Oh man, 
yesterday was brutal. So my wife is out of town for work and I'm here with my mother-in-law and the oh, first geez. night was just horrible. And then today's been a lot better. So that's why I'm able to call in and talk to you guys. What you all been talking about tonight? You going to be here with us for a while? Or you just have a few minutes. You weren't listening? No, I wasn't able to listen, but I'm able to why participate you, now. So, why, why, weren't the why weren't you listening, Sign? Weren't you just the one asking me about how the kids were and stuff? I felt like that was pretty <laughs> uh, self-explanatory there. But All right, so question for you. Are you here with us for a few minutes or are you here the rest of the show? I'm here for the rest of the show. Let's All go. right, we got starting back here. Let's go. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> right. So, Sutton, we talked about uh, Kenyon Drake. We talked about Jarvis Landry. We talked about Devontae Parker. We talked about whether the Dolphins should tank the season and if you're a real fan, if you want the Dolphins to lose. So, if you want to hear all that, you can listen to the show after we get off the air. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. The only thing <laughs> but, I'd like to th- – I, I want to throw out the one thing about, you know, the – being a fan and rooting for losses and stuff like that. Here's how I feel about that. If it's a young player that we know is going to be on this team going forward and make some plays, you know, if Kenyon Drake goes off for three touchdowns and we accidentally win a game, I'm okay with that. Now, if we have like Julius Thomas go for two touchdowns and Ted Larson plays a great game and all these people we know aren't going to be in our future, if they go off, then that kind of win is going to piss me off, to be honest with you. So it's it's all about the how the win unfolds. If it's young players, I'm okay. If not, I'm not. All right. I, I get it. it. It's just the nature of the uh, situation that we're in right now. And it stinks that we're talking like this with five games to go, but it's the reality. Let's switch gears now. Last week we debuted a new segment on uh, – Insider Radio. It's our weekly press conference, and we basically, I'm Adam Gase, Houts is Matt Burke, and Sutton is Clyde Christensen. And we are back this week with our Insider Radio weekly press conference. And first up to the podium is defensive coordinator Matt Burke, and we have a question from the audience. Coach Burke, Pedro Gomez head, how are you today? I'm oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah. Ask me my ask ask the damn question. So, Coach Burke, uh, again, Pedro Gomez from the uh, South Florida um, Post Gazette, um, Mexico, and and Cuban territory. So, I have a question for you. Why don't you guys play in the dime package, and, and why don't you cover tight ends very well? Well, uh. I think we touched on it a bit last week. Uh, Kiko Alonso is one of my best friends. Uh, not very good in coverage, as PFF likes to, to go on and shit on him about. But for me, uh, I, I just keep giving him that opportunity to go out there and try to cover tight ends. You got Gronk out there. We, we put Bobby McCain on in one play. I really don't know what the hell I was thinking. I kind of thought that was a, a different kind of – I thought it was John McCain that I put on him. But it, I, apparently I, I had that mixed up. I, I, just, I was just trying to get someone out there who – who could cover Rob Gronkowski, and I, I just don't have anyone that could do such thing. I think Deion Jordan did it once, and I shipped his ass off to Seattle. So it, it was just really tough. As far as dying, I don't think we have enough cornerbacks for that. I mean, Tony Lippett has a shattered Achilles, and uh, 
my cannonball man gave me shit to work with. So there's really no, nothing I can do to, to try to prevent these teams from just throwing all over us on third and long. Okay, Coach Burdick, one follow-up question again. My name is Pedro Gomez. And just one more follow-up question. Last week you talked about how you were best friends with Kiko Alonso. But now we have a situation where some people are saying you might go to the 3-4 defense <laughs> next year. Can you just touch on that really quickly? Well, yeah, your your accent got a hell of a lot better from last week, Pedro. I, I think you've been doing a lot of uh, Pilates and stuff and really working those vocal cords. So, so do re mi fa so, that's some good shit right there. But uh, overall, I mean, uh, this 3-4 talks nonsense to me. There's too many numbers. It's making my head explode. I mean, you got me on the bench with Gase. We're looking at our tablets. What the hell are these numbers, man? There's a calculator on the damn phone. I, I don't know what these numbers are. 3-4, I, I don't know what's going on. So next year, we're going to bring out the best players. Raekwon McMillan, he will not be playing special teams. There's no way in hell. I'm going to get him on the field, and, and we'll, we'll see about 3-4. It's just maddening to even think about it right now. All right, Coach Burke, thank you for joining us this week on the Finsider Radio Weekly Press Conference. Up next at the podium is Coach Christensen, and we have a question from the media. Hey, Clyde, it's uh, Ben Dover here from uh, the Miami New Herald and Palm Beach and Sports Edition of the Illustrations. And I just had a question for you. Um, what, can you just talk to me about the offensive line and why it's such trash? Well, hey, Ben Dover, I remembered your name and I remember you came to the surface when we were talking about my buddy Chris Forrester, the former offensive line coach, because he, he liked to have people bend over for him too. Now, getting back, <laughs> getting, back, getting back to your direct question, the offensive line, it kind of reminds me, you know, I was over at Aunt Sally's house for Thanksgiving, and I get a little of that tryptophan in me, and then what do I start feeling? I feel a little bit sleepy. And this offensive line just feels sleepy. <laughs> so, Coach Christensen, one more question for you. And, you know, you say the offensive line is sleepy. What do you plan to do to fix their sleeping problems? Well, I've thought about this particular question and I think it really depends what we do with these guards because they just leave in way too many holes and we want we want to open up our own holes not not let other people get in our holes you know what I mean you know what I mean come on Ben Dover you know what I mean all right <laughs> thank you coach <laughs> Thank you, Coach Christensen, for joining us this week on the Finsider Radio press conference. And, and up next to the podium is Coach Gase, and we have a question from the media. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Johnny Nobalch from the Southern Coastal <laughs> Invitational Gazette. Uh, Adam Gase, I, I don't, I'm going to be blunt here. Your offense has been utter shit this year. I mean, I don't know what you did. I mean, you brought in your, your fat tight end from Jacksonville. I mean, what's he doing out there? And then you brought in Jay Cutler. Uh, your guy, you hand-picked it. So your offense is going out there just laying eggs left and right. Play calling's kind of shitty. You let Jay Culler audible into a freaking wide receiver screen every other play. What is it about this team that you're going to do to improve for the future of the Miami Dolphins? Well, Johnny, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Have you ever watched uh, Build This House on TLC? Great show. Great show. 
Great, Absolutely. Great all right. So I watch it all the time <laughs> in my in my office, and um, you know, it, it's it's a great it's a great show. And then you talk about building the house, and, and people are talking about rebuilding in 2018, and I just don't see why you would build this house all over again. When, when you want to pull the truck in front of the facility and then have this big, great reveal, what people don't see after that great, big reveal on build this house are the taxes you have to pay, are, are the maintenance you have to keep up uh, on the house. For me, why would we rebuild this roster when we have everyone in place? I don't want to have my guys change the name tags on the lockers. I don't want to have to pay guys more than I need to pay them. I don't want my equipment guys to have to change the jerseys. It's just like a big truck in front of our facility, like on Build This House. You move it, you got more work to do, even though everything looks great on the outside. So, so for me, I, I'm keeping my same roster that I want this year. I, I love all of them. And, and you're right, Jay Cutler, he will always, always be my guy. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, once again, this is Johnny Noballs from the Southern <laughs> Coastal Invitational Gazette. I just want to make sure everybody hears what publication I'm from. But uh, Adam Gates, uh, i got two more questions for you. For one, why didn't you challenge that Jarvis Landry catch? I mean, the shit, he caught it between his legs. You didn't challenge it. And then you had his brother, his mother, his sister, his father, everyone just coming out of the woodwork on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, MySpace. They're all just asking why you didn't challenge the play. And secondly, and, and this I just <laughs> – I just feel for you on the sideline. You're always stroking your neck. What is going on? Do you have a rash? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, first of all, you mentioned MySpace, right? And, uh, you know, I'm a little upset because Jarvis doesn't have me in his top five. So so right right there, you know, we have some bad blood between each other. And then you talk about Snapface and tweetering and, and all this other stuff that I, I don't have time to do because I'm watching a film all day. But what you don't know and what the fans don't know, but they are going to know now, is that Jarvis Landry has a clause in his contract that says if he, if he had caught, you know, that pass, if he had catch, caught a juggling pass where it hits his feet and he catches it with his feet, he gets paid an extra $2 million. And not everyone knows that. So for me to challenge that play, I had Mike Tannenbaum in my ear telling me not to challenge it. Because he needed to eat some more fried chicken at the office that night. He needed to pay his dinner. So, for me, I, I'm not going to challenge that. Are you crazy? We, we needed to keep our money where we need to keep it so I can pay Jay Cutler again next year to be a special advisor to my quarterback room. <laughs> and, and regarding my rash on my neck, you, you nailed it on the head. And, and all I'm going to say is Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Coach Gates, for joining us on the Finsider Radio press conference. And that will do it this week. And next week, we think we're going to bring on some players. We heard that Kiko Alonzo wants to join us. We heard that Jarvis Landry wants to join us. And we heard that we may even get J.H.I. back in on the action from Philadelphia. He may be calling in. So we will see if we can get him on the line. If not, we'll be bringing in probably Jay Cutler. So we will see next week on the Finsider Radio press conference. All right, let's, let's move forward. Let's move forward. One um, interesting note here, going back to our discussion on the draft and the quarterbacks, and speaking of Jay Cutler and the quarterbacks and Ryan Tannehill and Jay Cutler being the special advisor to the quarterback room next year, like Adam Gase just said, um, the Dolphin scouts were at the Oklahoma versus West Virginia game. 
We know the team sends scouts everywhere. Should we be reading too much into this, or the Dolphins have a, uh, you know, something for Baker Mayfield? Well, Sutton, for me, I mean, are you, are you asking Sutton or are you asking me? Hmm? I'm going to ask you, House. Go ahead, since you just butted in, barged in like that. Uh, I wasn't even sure if Sutton was still here. <laughs> He's got four kids to keep after. He could have just said, F this, I'm out. Uh, for me, I mean, you got Nick Chubb. There's another Chubb in the draft. Listening to that, their Dolphins scouts at Oklahoma, I got my own Chubb. I mean, that, that's great news. I, I don't think the Dolphins have really uh, – put their resources into the quarterback position since they drafted Tannehill. You got Brandon Dowdy as, as one of the only quarterbacks they brought in since. They, they love Matt Moore, but you can't keep relying on Ryan Tannehill and uh, see what Baker Mayfield does. I mean, I know everyone saw that, uh, that game where he sat there and <laughs> they snubbed him during the coin toss and later in that game he was grabbing his, yeah, you know what, just <laughs> bleeping, bleeping this, bleeping that. I mean, that's a quarterback I can get behind. I mean, you want to see him do that to Bill Belichick, Tom Brady? I'm all for that. I'll buy his jersey right now. So, if for me, he's has all the talent in the world. To hear that they're there, I mean, I'm not going to read too much into it because what are the, when are the Dolphins going to do something that everyone wants to see? I think everyone would love to see Baker Mayfield down there, even if it were to just sit behind Tannehill for a year or two. Uh, that would be awesome. So, that's where I stand, get Baker Mayfield make Miami great again. What about you, Sutton? I can totally see I can totally see Baker Mayfield and Adam Gates ripping it up on the sidelines together. Sutton, any thoughts on Baker Mayfield? I think the only Chubb that helps in mention is Chubbs Peterson from Happy Gilmore. Um but but in terms <laughs> of sending scouts to games <laughs> in terms of sending scouts to the games, I mean we're we're gonna do a lot of different things and when we drafted Charles Harris, I believe I remember the front office coming out and saying we made a deliberate approach to not do anything and not go to any of his stuff because we were so sure about him or yada, yada, yada. So the story goes. Um, so it's not necessary that uh, that Dolphins um, scouts and, and anybody in the front office would go to these games uh, for real purposes or smokescreen purposes. It's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting because we're already thinking about the draft, so we're going to be really overanalyzing every little thing, aren't we? <laughs> yep. Uh, speaking of overanalyzing, it's that time of the year at Fantasy Football where you look at your lineups and you just want to make sure every angle is covered because some teams are struggling to get into the playoffs. You have basically one week if you do your league right. You have your playoffs week 14, 15, and 16. I don't know if there's a lot of leagues out there that still play week 17. If you are, you're doing it wrong. But really, this is the last week. And if you're on that bubble like I am in one of my leagues, you, you want to overanalyze everything to see what you can do. And if you're about to be – if you're in the playoffs and you start the playoffs uh, not this week but the week after and you're already in, you'll be analyzing and overanalyzing that week one of the playoffs. And we know Houts is our fantasy football guru, or so he says. So Houts – Real quick, any fantasy football advice as we head into the playoffs or for those teams on the bubble? I know it's hard to talk about matchups. We'd be here all night. We could do a whole podcast on fantasy football. But for you, you know, any tips that you can give players um, as we head into playoffs? Yeah, I'm in nine leagues, so I'm a little bit sick with it. I'm, I'm kind of oh alive in most of them. But for me, it, it's hard to keep track of that shit. But for me, you just kind of – you, you want to go out there and you want to utilize that waiver wire. I know some people, they get to – throughout this season, try, try to prevent themselves from using that so later in the year they can. But at this point, just get out there, get the best player you can in waiver, on waivers. And if you're playing a guy who, who doesn't have a defense or doesn't have a quarterback in there, go 
go out there and get the best damn quarterback that's available. So try try to snipe someone and, and try to make it harder for them to win because at this point in the year, every point, every matchup matters, and it, it's hard. You just can't overanalyze it. Do research. I mean, there's so many people out there that give their opinions. If you have one – if your gut's telling you to do one thing, look and see what someone else says because as soon as they reassure you that that's the right play, then you go with it. For me, I got a quarter that I flipped so far. That shit's been heads every time. It's been – it has not let me down yet. I, I Once I flipped it, uh, it told me to start Alshon Jeffrey against San Francisco. My gut, everything else told me not to. I didn't. He scored two touchdowns. And I've been kicking myself since. So it, you just got to trust your gut. Go out there and just try to get the best players you can because, I mean, you, you might have a defense you like right now, but if there's a better matchup out there, find a way to get that defense. Find a way to improve your team. I know Josh Gordon comes back this week. One of the leagues I'm – I'm eight and four, and I saw he's still available. I'm praying to God that that waiver goes through tonight, and I somehow land Josh Gordon. Because, I mean, what the hell? Why? Why isn't Josh Gordon picked up in the league? So, just go out there, do your due diligence, do the research, and do whatever you can to win. Because overall, everyone wants to be a fantasy champion, and everyone wants to be Scrooge McDuck in that money. Yeah, and uh, so do you play fantasy football? Yeah, I'm in one league. Okay. So we'll let you give some advice too, and we'll just listen to the opposite of what you say. But um, <laughs> I want to just touch on something Hout said really quick, and he said, "Get those matchups," and I think that's huge because, and you got to take risks. A few years ago, I was in the championship game, or headed to the championship game, and I had Drew Brees on my roster, and Drew Brees was lighting it up all season long. But he had a very tough matchup. I forget who it was, but he had a very tough matchup in the championship game. And I saw, of all people, Ryan Fitzpatrick had one of the easiest matchups on the schedule. And he was on the waiver wire. And I put in a waiver claim for Fitzpatrick. And when I say this was the hardest decision that I made all year, benching Drew Brees for Ryan Fitzpatrick in the championship game, it it was the hardest decision. Because basically... I was either going to win $900 or $300, and that's a huge difference. Um, but, I, but I benched Drew Brees, and Ryan Fitzpatrick put up 65 points, I believe. He had a huge game. Drew Brees put up about 20 or 30 points. And that difference of points was the difference of me winning a championship and coming in second place. So you got to be gutsy sometimes. you got to really look at the matchups. And you got to just play it week by week. And fantasy football, when you're playing in week and season-long leagues, it's a week-to-week thing. Don't get caught up on who you drafted at this point of the year. Remember, though, that you got to stick with your guys that got you here for the most part. But if you have that juicy matchup, don't be afraid to pull the trigger. So, and any advice from you? Yeah, and be aggressive, too. I mean, look at those playoff matchups, and depending on – if maybe you get a first round bye, maybe you're in a in a league with 12 teams and six teams get into the playoffs, you might have a bye that first round. Before that bye, start looking at your matchups for that week 15 matchup and start figuring out what the best lineup is going to be, whether that's already people you have on your roster or, or you have to dip into the waiver wire a little bit to, to spice it up a little bit. But don't be afraid to, to get a guy a week early just to make sure you have them for when you need them. All right. So we talked about tonight, we talked about whether we should root for the Dolphins to win or lose and whether you're a real fan or not. 
We talked about Kenyon Drake and it being his job to lose. He gets his first chance of being that number one guy on Sunday versus the Broncos. Von Miller, of course. Uh, we talked about Devontae Parker, his future in Miami, and, and what's happening with him right now. We talked about Jarvis Landry. We did our weekly press conference. We took questions from the Finsider Radio mailbag and Twitter feed. We talked about Baker Mayfield and Scouts being at the Dolphins at the Oklahoma-West Virginia game. And trust me, we will be talking in-depth draft and free agency as we hit the end of the season. And we were, of course, joined very nicely by Sutton, the creepy soccer dad, here uh, for the last <laughs> part of the show. So thank you for joining us, Sutton. We appreciate it. Any last words for guys. our listeners, for our eight listeners from House? Any last words for them? Uh, don't be pissed if Trevor Simeon lights us up because in the end, it's it's all worth it. Uh, Sutton, any last words from you? <laughs> nah, thanks for having me the rest of the show, guys. Love you, missed you. And I'm just I'm, – I'm very curious how the Dolphins are going to approach this offseason. Very curious. It will be very interesting, and Adam Gase's job will be on the line. So will Chris Greer, and so will Mike Tannenbaum if he won't be gone already. We're going to see how that shakes out. But for this week, that is going to be it for Finsider Radio. So for Certain the Creepy Soccer Dad and House MD, I'm MC Money. Thank you for joining us for this special live edition of Finsider Radio. We'll talk to you next time. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fultron! I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, 
bears in video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.